happening in Awana. And as they're leaving game time and they're going into large group or small group where they're going to hear the word of God and the gospel of Jesus and a challenge to missions, we pray, Father, that the word of God would take root in fertile soil, that the gospel of Jesus would be heard with um, unstopped ears, uh, unblinded eyes, and really tender hearts. And we pray, Father, that in this little church that we get to be a part of, you'd raise up the next missionary force. That they'd be sent, scattered. And as the daddy of three of them, Lord, I surrender them to you. children, I send my children away. Make me ready for that. I prepare my children for that. Lord, there's nothing more valuable in this world than Jesus being glorified. And so as we come to you to sing, as we come to you to open up your word, Oh God, how we long for you. Come satisfy us. Come change us. And Lord, would you tonight take our hearts and our lives and our minds and make us one degree more like Jesus than we were when we walked in. I pray in Jesus' name. And all God's people say Amen. Let's stand and sing at Shine Jesus Shine. It's number 
All right, everybody. Let me remind you of some stuff because I am forgetful. And so if I'm forgetful, maybe you might be too. So let's remind each other. Here's our 2024 theme, okay? The theme is for the year, equipped for service, sent with purpose. All right, you ready to say that with me? Equipped for service, sent with purpose. All right, one more time. Equipped for service, sent with purpose. So that is our goal for this year. And so we want to talk through that. Now remember, that does not take place of what a number of years ago we prayed and sought the Lord as a church for what God called us to be and to do and how he calls us to do it. And, and that being is a, we have an eight-point vision statement, which you can read either on our website or at the front foyer. But our mission is to help every person become a more devoted disciple of Jesus. Help every person. So if you're a person... We're here to help you become more like Jesus. And so it doesn't matter if you've been walking with Jesus two weeks or two decades uh, or two millennia. You, uh, we all can be more like Jesus. So we do that by three D words. Say them with me. Declare, disciple, deploy. We declare the gospel. Everything we do is all about Jesus. We want to tell people all about Jesus. We disciple the believer. And we deploy the church. And so that is our mission statement. We believe that's built right on the Great Commission. And so that's what we want to do. All right, now, we had priorities this year, which we kind of put in three buckets. Remember this? Um, the, our three buckets are kingdom focused. Remember, we want to seek first the kingdom. So we want to make sure that we're, we are focusing on how do we impact the kingdom, how do we get outside these walls. And how do we tell people about Jesus? So the second one is preparing resources. So I started out the first of the year on January 7th on Sunday morning, preaching on 2 Kings uh, chapter 4 about the widow in Elisha, the widow and her children in Elisha, whose the, the children were in slavery because they she owed a bigger debt than she could pay. And she said, what am I going to do? Elisha said, what do you have? She said, I've just got this one little jar of oil. He said, go borrow as many vessels as you can. You remember this? And, and go borrow them. And so she went and borrowed them. What do I do now? He said, you start pouring. You start pouring. And when the, she asked for another vessel and there were no more vessels, uh, that was when the oil ran out. And so we just kind of reminded ourselves that what if she would have had another vessel? Or a hundred more vessels. Would the oil have ran out? No. And so we want to be a prepared people. So that we're ready for the growth that we believe that God wants to give to His church. Because as Pastor Ken reminded us, God will build His church. He promised to do it. And a lot of churches aren't being built or aren't growing because I don't think we want them to. So we preparing resources. And then the third bucket is a missional structure. So here are seven priorities for this year. Uh, we want to have an outreach and follow-up plan. How do we reach out to people? How do we communicate the gospel to those who might not have heard or those who are not a part of a church family? What is a discipleship path? How do we get them inside these walls? How do we get somebody from the front door of the church to a small group Bible study to service? What does that look like? How do we assimilate them or onboard them? New classes and groups. What new classes and groups do we need to start to help that happen? We want to prepare our children's wing. So we're going to uh, be looking at some painting projects in our children's wing. Uh, and, and so just prepare the vessels, the activity center. We want to make it a real 
practical, useful space for things like this, for things like marriage dinners and men's breakfasts and those kinds of things so that when we're ready, uh, we've got it. Six, excellence in all things. Um, that's probably more of a core value for us, but we want it to be a priority. So everything we do, if we're going to do it, we want to do it the best of our ability. And the last thing is we want to have a new church structure. So this coming Sunday morning, uh, I'll be preaching our first sermon talking about here's where we believe the Lord is leading us regarding that new church structure. The deacons and the pastoral staff have been working on that for, what, about six months now? And so uh, we've made a lot of headway and have a lot to present to you guys. And so you guys will be a part of that conversation in the days ahead. But I'm going to start preaching through it uh, this coming Sunday morning because we want to be a church built on the Word of God. You with me? All right. So any questions? It's a great opportunity to ask questions, share concerns. Okay. If not, you can always call. You can always say, Ryan, I, I do have some concerns. I'd love to talk to you about them. Can we go to lunch? I eat lunch every day. I know that's hard for you to believe. I also drink more coffee than I ought to. So if you ever want to get lunch or coffee, I'm in. All right? I'm your man. Now, let me remind you, a couple weeks ago, Pastor Kim preached a fantastic sermon um, out of the book of Matthew. So real quick, grab your Bible, go to Matthew, chapter 16. And so I just want to do a little bit of follow-up before we get into our topic for the night, okay? Matthew chapter 16, is, and we're just going to look at two verses today. Um, as you're turning there, Jesus asks his disciples a question, who do people say that I am? Well, some say you are this prophet, some say you're that prophet, some say you're this person. Jesus turns the question and he says, forget about what people say that I am. Because if you ask 100 people who Jesus is, you're going to get 100 different answers. But who do you say that I am? And, and like we talked about last week, it's the most important question that mankind will ever wrestle with an answer. And so each one of us has to have a conclusive answer for that question. And eternity hinges on that question for you and for me. So, Peter gets it right this time. He says, you're the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus turns to Peter in, in one of these remarkable times, and he says, that's right, Peter. Flesh and blood didn't reveal this to you. My Father in heaven revealed that to you. So, in verse 18, that's where we're going to look. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I'll build my church. Okay, so Pastor Ken, when he preached a sermon, brought up five uh, truths out of this scripture. Number one is that Jesus is the solid foundation. He said, on this rock, not Peter, but the confession of Peter. Okay? On this rock. The second thing is the supernatural empowerment. Remember, I will build, Jesus says. Not you will do it, but he will do it. It's his church purchased with his blood, and he said he would build his church. I will build my church. The third thing that he says is, it's not your church. He says, it's my church. It's my church. Now, most of us have not shed blood for the church. Jesus has. Now, we often say, well, I, I, I can love Jesus and not go to church. And that would, or 
I've heard people say, well, I love Jesus, but I hate the church. And that would be like you saying to me, I love you, Ryan, but I hate Liz. I would punch you in the nose in Jesus' name. <laughs> and you would deserve it. And, and that's exactly what you're saying to Christ because the Bible calls the body of Christ or the church the bride of Christ. And you can't speak poorly about his bride when you say that you love him. Right? He cares deeply about his church. Shed his blood. He says, it's mine. It's mine. The fourth thing that Pastor Ken reminded us is what we do in this church. I think I'm trying to remember his words. The decisions that we make as a church body will echo into eternity. That was a great statement. A great statement. And so, so when we think about what we do, it has eternal significance. Eternal significance. The last thing out of here is the royal responsibility. So the, the eternal significance, he says, the gates of hell will not prevail against my church. Now, the gates of hell will prevail against churches, but the gates of hell will not prevail against his church. Now, then he says, and I will give you the keys of the kingdom. Now, if you are in Christ, that means you are a part of the body, his church. And because he's made you a part of the body by grace, he has given you responsibility in the body. Like Pastor Ken has taught before, we spent a lot of weeks on spiritual gifts. Every person that is inside the body has been gifted by the Holy Spirit to fulfill their own design, specific purpose inside the body, and they have responsibility. This passage reminds us that this responsibility is a royal responsibility. And he says, I'm going to give you the keys. The keys to what? The kingdom. Now, that does not mean that you and I determine who comes in and who comes out. That, aren't we thankful that no human being gets to make those decisions? But, but what it means is, is that we have the key, the entrance key, into the kingdom. And it's not you, and it's not another man, like Peter. It is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we have the key that we have the opportunity every day to share with people to grant them entrance into the kingdom. Now, we can't open the door for them, or maybe... Like you've heard it before, you can lead a horse to water, but what? You can share the gospel with somebody. There's a royal responsibility, and your royal responsibility is not the salvation of other souls. You're not that good, and I'm not that good. God alone has the responsibility to save people, and that's a good reminder. We can't save people, but our responsibility is to give people the key. Okay? And so that, tonight, is where I want to spend some moments. Okay? Our theme, our first part of our theme, is equipped for service. Equipped for service. And we're going to take that seriously this year. What does that look like? And I found, I feel like the best place to start is this group right here. You guys are the core group of Seneca Baptist Church. Like it or not, you're the core group of Seneca Baptist Church. Now, Here's what we want to do. Tonight, we want to talk about our royal responsibility. 
So I'm going to ask if there are a couple men or a few men who might help me pass out. If you would help me to do that, I'd sure appreciate that. No, ladies cannot pass out. It's, it's below their pay grade. All right. Miss Gloria Jepson posted this today on Facebook. I saw it, and I stole it from her. So as we're being reminded of the, the desire to equip our people for service, I want you to look up on the screen at this quote. Can you see that? Yes. It's J.C. Ryle quote. It says, the church is not an audience to be entertained. It is an army to be empowered. Isn't that good? Man, that makes you want to high-five somebody. Let's go. It's not, a, it's not an uh, audience to be entertained. It's an army to be empowered. And so that is what we want to do tonight. And we want to talk through a how to share the gospel. Now, I, I understand. And you've probably sat through one of these things before. And, 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 and I think we could, in this room, we could come up with a hundred and... Uh, 101 ways to share the gospel. I am not saying that this is the only way. But what this is, is this is the most natural way that I share the gospel. Um, it is kind of the essence of the Roman road. Uh, it is the essence of a number of ways that we talk about the gospel. Now, before we get into this sheet, okay, so don't cheat. Don't memorize all that stuff just yet. I want to ask the question and that we're going to answer together. What is the gospel? Okay, and so to answer the question, what is the gospel, what I really want to start with is what isn't the gospel? Because there are, in our day, false ones. False gospels. And, and some of those false gospels are stuff like God helps those who help themselves. That's not the gospel. The gospel is not, if you'll try real hard and work real good, then God will look down on your poor soul and go, well, you know, Johnny was really working at it. We're going to give him a pass. That's not the gospel. It's not the gospel. The gospel is not, well, if you're okay, I'm okay with you're okay. And it's just relative. You be you and I'll be me. That's not the gospel. That's relativism. Right? And that is not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches that there is truth and it is outside of you and me. And so you don't get to decide what's true and I don't get to decide what's true. There is an authority and it's eternal. Okay? And so it's not relativism. It's not Jesus will make your life better in seven steps. And if you follow Jesus, you'll be healthy and wealthy and wise. That's the prosperity gospel. It's a false gospel. Now, does Jesus bless our lives as followers of Christ in more ways than we can imagine? Yes. A million percent. But what we often equate to blessing is a lack of trial, an abundance of money, right? And this is not the gospel. It's not the gospel. And it, lastly, it is not. Jesus just came to make everybody's world a better place. 
That's social justice. So feed babies, you know, feed people, clothe them. But let me tell you, we can feed people and we can clothe people and we can send them to hell with their bellies full and their, their bodies warm. That's not the gospel. So what is the gospel? All right, we're going to turn in our Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And I want to give you kind of the essence of what Paul, the apostle, says the gospel is. Okay? He summarizes the content of the gospel. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, 1 through 4. You there? Amen? Amen. I'm not. Okay, wait for me. The new Bible thing, man, it just throwing me off. I used to know what page stuff was on, and I, I just don't even know anymore. And pages are stuck together. Verse 1. Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you're being saved. If you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believe in vain. Verse 3. This is what Paul says. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that... Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures. Verse 4, that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. Verse 5, and he appeared to Cephas, Peter, then to the twelve. Alright? So he summarizes the gospel, the contents of the gospel, right here in these first few verses. And he kind of summarizes it with three truths, okay? So if you look up at the screen, I've kind of got them underlined. The three truths, or number one, is that Jesus died, he was buried, and he rose. You can't tell anybody the gospel of Jesus without hitting those points, okay? The second truth is why. Why did he, uh, sorry, why did he do it? You see that phrase? For our sins. For our sins. That's truth number two. The third truth is found back up in verse one. We're saved if we receive and hold fast to the gospel. He says, verse two. Or verse 1, now I remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received. Verse 2, and by which you're being saved if you hold fast to the word I preached. So, Jesus died, he was buried, and he rose. He died for our sins and we're saved if we receive and hold fast to the gospel. Now, have you ever, I have, have you ever tried to share the gospel and you had it? planned out right here but somewhere between here and here something went wrong now we need to understand that when we share the gospel it's not just presenting simple truths hey Jesus died for you for your sins because if you'll receive them then you can be saved is that true? Yeah. yes but does that give us all that we might need to understand or a, a lost person who's never, not really familiar with the gospel? Does that give them what they need to understand to help them? We go, no. They might need a little bit of context. 
And so that's where the chief comes into play, okay? We, uh, our staff, um, spent, I don't know, a handful of hours thinking through um, sharing the gospel and giving you a tool, okay? And so we, we kind of drew it up in a, in a cross format. So just imagine a cross there, and you see one in the middle. Okay, so what you've got is you've got four words. And if you can remember these four words, you can remember four categories. The first is God. Easy enough. Second is man. The third is Jesus. And the fourth is response. All right? God, man, Jesus, response. God, man, Jesus, response. You with me? All right, say that with me. You ready? God, man, Jesus, response. One more time. God, man, Jesus, response. Now, I want to share something. This, this is a way that you can do this. And you can draw this out on a napkin at a restaurant. Okay? So flip your sheet over real quick. And if you've got a pencil draw, or a pen, draw a cross. Okay? God goes up to the top of it. So if I were going to share the gospel with somebody, I would start by writing God. I'm imagining an invisible cross on a sheet of paper. God is at the top. And I would tell you just a few simple truths about God. Like this. The God who created the heavens and the earth is holy. And he created us to love him and serve him. He created the heavens and the earth. He's holy. And he created us to love him and serve him. Okay? God did that. He's, he created the heavens and the earth. He's holy. And you exist to love him and serve him. He created you for that. God. Right there at the top. Remember, I'm doing this. Most of the time, we have the opportunity to share a gospel. Or many of the times, we have the opportunity to share a gospel. I don't have my Bible right in front of me. So God. All right, what's the second word? God. Man. Now, where do we put man? Next to God? No. We, I, we have intentionally, our staff, intentionally put man at the bottom of the cross. We, that's where we meet Jesus, is at the foot of the cross. Amen? Okay? So the bottom of the cross. And we might say to people something like, man, mankind, humanity, we have rebelled against God. And we've become slaves to sin. And we now deserve the wrath of God. So why did God, who is God? Why did he create us? Well, he created the heavens and the earth. He's holy. And he created you to love him and serve him. But mankind rebelled against God. We're now enslaved to sin. And because we're enslaved to sin, we deserve wrath. Okay? You see what I'm doing here? God, man, what's next? Jesus. Jesus. All right? So God, man, and I think it's on your left there, is Jesus. Jesus. What would we say about him? Jesus, who is he? He's God's son. I somehow skipped that in my presentation. Jesus is God's son who lived a sinless life died on the cross, and rose from the dead. 
And he is able to save those who receive him and to condemn those who reject him. I will. Jesus is God's son who lived a sinless life. Listen to me, y'all. It's important that people understand that he was sinless. If, if God is holy, he's only going to accept the perfection of holiness. And you and I can't reach it. So he lived a sinless life, died on the cross, and rose from the grave. Remember what Paul said, I deliver to you what I received out of first importance. That Jesus died and was buried and rose. He resurrected. Lived a sinless life, died on the cross, was buried, and rose from the grave. And he is able to save those who receive him. And to condemn those who reject him. Now, have I, have I, have I, have we given the person that might not know much background about God, have we given more context? God, the one who created the heavens and the earth. He's holy. He created you to love and serve him. But mankind rebelled against God. Now we're enslaved to sin. And we deserve a wrath of God. But Jesus, who is God's son, lived a sinless life. Died on the cross. Was buried and rose from the grave. And he is able to save those who receive him. And also to condemn those who reject him. What would come next? God, man, Jesus, what? Response. Response. And so with response, we must respond to the gospel. All right, now, Time out. I'm, I'm out off of my sheet for a second. What is a biblical word that we would use for the response to Jesus' gospel? Accept. Okay. Repent. Okay. The word repent, we don't like that word. Okay? Because when we think of the word repent, I think of the guy on the corner of Bourbon Street, the street preacher, on the corner of Bourbon Street in New Orleans, standing up there with a giant sign, repent, you know? And so we probably don't have the fondest of thoughts for that word. But it is the most biblical word that we could use for it. It just is. Repentance is like a two-sided coin. There's a negative side and a positive side. And what I mean by negative is not bad, but there's a side that we give up something of the coin and a side that we turn to something. Does that make sense? So I've got to turn away and I've got to turn to. I've got to let go and I've got to grab a hold. Are you with me? 
And so this is the response. The response is the idea of repentance. The Greek word, metanoia. Two words, meta, means change. We get our English word metamorphosis. Uh, so it's a change. Um, and then the word noia is the word mind. And the way that I remember it is it's a change of mind that leads to a change of heart that leads to a change of action. I'm walking this. I heard a, a cheesy pastor joke. Can I give you a cheesy pastor joke? And I'm probably even going to butcher this one because I'm not funny, okay? Uh, but uh, Boudreaux and Thibodeau, two pastors of churches down in South Louisiana, walk out to the street and they put a sign up they pound a sign into the ground and it says turn around the end is near they do it in Cajun accent of course turn around the end is near car drives by honking you religious nuts another car drives by does the same thing and then they hear crash boom splash and they said, do you think we just should have put a sign that said, Bridges Out? <laughs> Remember that one time I made people laugh? Right there, I told a joke. <laughs> Tell Liz all about it. Um, where was I going with that, Ryan? <laughs> I'm so funny that I lost my place. It's a, it's a change of mind that leads to a change of direction. Change of mind, change my heart is a change of direction. So if I'm walking a certain way and I recognize that this way is not good, it starts here. And so what I've got to do is I've got to change my mind. You know, that apple pie was delicious. And if I'm on my third apple pie slice, midway through my third apple pie slice, I'm going to go, you know what? My doctor's not going to be happy with me. It's a change of mind. It leads to a change in action. So that's repentance. And so let me, let me get back to our sheet here. Response. We must respond to the gospel by turning from sin and turning to Jesus or believing in Jesus as Lord and Savior. Turning from sin and believing in Jesus. Turning from sin, believing in Jesus, and as Savior and Lord to receive forgiveness of sins. Okay, and, and that's that's where we want to get you to the sheet because we have some memory verses that we need to put into our minds and our hearts that we need to be able to remember these things on the fly. Okay, so most of these are out of the book of Romans. So like I said, it's kind of a Romans road in a sense. Uh, the first one, when we get to God, we have to tell people who God is. And we use the verse, Revelation chapter 4, verse 8. And all the angels in heaven cry out, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. This is who God is. So if I'm sharing this, I would say, God, I draw, start drawing my imaginary cross. God's up here. He is holy. He's the creator of all things. All things. And he created you 
to love him and to serve him. In Revelation chapter 4, verse 8 teaches us that God is holy, holy, holy. Is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. But man, so I would I would draw a line down the man. Okay, you see what I'm doing? Start with God. There's no lines on the paper. God, and I draw a line down the man. Man. Man rebelled against God. And now we're enslaved to sin. And because of that, we deserve God's wrath. And I've got two verses there, Romans 3.23 and Romans 6.23, and you should know these things. These two verses, simple, simple, simple. Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Now, if I'm sitting with somebody, I might turn around and say, what does that verse teach us? I had a fifth grader the other day answer that question. So people can understand the simplicity of that question. Not what do you think about that verse? What does it teach us? What did God say? All right, the second verse is Romans 6.23, and you remember this one. The wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. Okay? So those are my two man verses. It teaches us that we've all sinned, and it teaches us the wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ. So where am I going next? God, man. I come over here on this side. Yep. I come over here on this side, and I draw Jesus. Now, this is one of the things that Chris was reminding me. Um, we talked about this idea. When you've got God up here and man down here, I want you to remember in your brain the difference between the character here. There's the character of God and the character of man. Okay? So there's character. That's what I'm defining the difference between the character of God and the character of man. The second kind of definition is what Jesus did and now what I've got to do. So character and action. So then I come to Jesus. So Romans 6, verse 23 says, The wage of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So I would say Jesus, who is God's Son, lived a sinless life and died a sinner's death on the cross, was buried in a tomb, and on the third day he rose. And now he is able to save those who receive him, but he will condemn those who reject him. Romans 5, 8. God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Isn't that good news? I mean, if the gospel ever gets old to you, you need to check your heart. Like it's, it's just continually good news. So we've got God, the character of God, the character of man, what Jesus did, and now what do I got to do? Response. So if I draw a line down this way, and I put Jesus over here, and I draw a line across, what have I just created? Okay. Can you do that on a napkin at a restaurant? You can. You can do this. You can do it. So God, man, 
Jesus responds. So what is my response? Our response is to turn from our sin and to turn to Jesus, to believe in Jesus as Savior and Lord for the forgiveness of our sins. My verse is Romans chapter 10. And really you only need to remember verse 9, but verse 10 is also helpful. Verse 9 is, if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, say it with me, you will be saved. That's good news. Simple as that. Verse 10 tells us the why behind it. For with the heart one believes and is justified. With the mouth one confesses and is saved. So God, man, Jesus responds. This is not hard, is it? You can do this. You can do this. So, if I'm you and I'm sitting there and I'm sharing the gospel with you, I've told you about the character of God and the character of man. I've told you about what Jesus did and I've told you what you need to do. What's my follow-up question? Would you like to do that today? Are you ready to turn from your sin and turn to Christ in faith? Or maybe a first question is, do you have any questions? Now, here's where it might get uncomfortable or abnormal, but we're going to do it anyways. I want you to spend time at your table. I want you to spend, let's call it seven minutes. That's only going to take you one minute or two minutes to do. But I want you to spend just a few minutes practicing that at your table. Okay? So everybody should have an opportunity to try that. And the other ones get to be the lost people. Alright? Alright? You understand what you're doing? On your mark, get set, go. Miss Joanna had the hardest job to save Pastor Ken, and so we're, we're praying. We're praying hard. All right, so uh, so share share with me real quick. Uh, debrief with me. What was what was easy about it? What was hard about it? What made sense? What didn't make sense? Maybe you got questions. Miss Joanna asked a really good question that I want her to mention in just a moment, but. Uh, I'm going to buy you a book 
called E3. You know E3? Um, any three is a book about sharing the gospel with Muslims. And one of, the, one of the ways that you can do that is by asking questions about what they believe. And so you're, gonna not, you're not going to force them to give your opinion, but um, what, what, does, what do you as a Muslim do to please God? And so what they're going to tell you are the five pillars. Oh, okay, well, we have Ten Commandments. You've got five pillars. Have you kept all those? Their answer is going to be no. Okay, so what does that mean for a Muslim if they have not kept the five pillars of Islam? And, and so that's a new Muslim answer for me. But, and so what it tells me is they don't know their Quran, which is okay. Um, but um, I would say, and I think the book 83 was asked, um, do you know that your sins will be forgiven? And if they answer yes, the follow-up question would be how? Um, most Muslims, if they're being honest, will answer the question, no, I don't know that I'm forgiven. So that might be a little different conversation than most of us in this room might have, but I'm going to buy a book for you, and it's a great read, short read. So any other questions? You know, 98% of Americans believe they're going to heaven. They have no idea what they're going to do there. And, and really, they don't. They, they don't have any idea what they're going to do there, and they really don't know what it means to go to heaven. And so, um, I, and I think, like these Muslims, they don't really know they're ever, they don't ever know they're going to paradise unless they blow themselves up somewhere. I mean, that really, that's the it's only the way. Only secure. That's the only way they then know you know they're going to get to heaven. Then you will, and so, you ultimately, you know, I think this is one of the reasons for. We really do, Lori is right, we need to be praying. And I think as we start this process of us really being aware of those around us, is to pray that God would open uh, the doors and bring the veil of unbelief away from their eyes. Because they're all blinded by Satan. And if we don't pray that that veil will be removed, we can batter on the door, but he's got to open the door. 100%. So if, if a, an American were to say that, uh, or, or to maybe get into that question, Ms. Joanna asked, how do I get into this conversation? Well, if you're sitting down at a restaurant with this person, you have some kind of relationship with them. And maybe a question would be like, do you believe in a heaven and a hell? Well, yeah, I'd like to believe there's a heaven and a hell. How do you believe that someone would get into heaven? That's going to tell a lot about them. Well, I believe you need to be a good person, or... You need to keep the Ten Commandments or whatever their, their answer might be. And, and you might say, well, do you remember any of those Ten Commandments? Or do you believe in the Ten Commandments? Or what does it mean to be good? Whose version of good is good? So do you believe in the Ten Commandments? Oh, yeah, I believe in the Ten Commandments. Can you name any of them for me? Well, you're not supposed to kill people. Don't steal stuff. That's generally as far as many people can get. Well, and I might start at the beginning and say, you know, number one is don't have any other gods before. If you ever put anything in front of God, 
Yeah. Well, that's a sin. God says don't have any idols. Alright? Have you ever had an idol of any kind? I don't mean one you put on your mantle and bow down to worship, but have you ever had something that was a higher priority than God was? Oh, yeah. What's that make you? This is right comfort, right here. Makes me an idolater. Have you ever stolen something, no matter if it was a quarter or a hundred dollars? Well, yeah. Well, what's that make you? A thief. Have you ever told a lie? Oh, yeah. What's that make you? A liar. So by your own admission, you're an idolater at heart, you're a liar, and you're a thief. Have you ever committed adultery to someone who's not your spouse? Well, no, of course I've never done that. But Jesus says, have you ever looked at lust in a woman in your heart? You've committed adultery in that. <laughs> well, I've done that. So what's that make you? An adulterer? So by your own admission, what does that make you? You know, all these things, right? So if Jesus were to judge you, God were to judge you based on the things that you told me, would he let you to heaven? Would he send you to heaven? Well, I guess I'm not a very good person. So I think there are little things that we can do to start conversations like, do you believe in heaven and hell? Do you go to church anywhere? What do you believe about God? Um, there are lots of things that can get us in, uh, and I think it, it would be different depending on the kind of relationship that you have with that person. It can be, I love you so much that I can't imagine spending an eternity without you. So can I share with you what the Bible teaches I mean, I think there are a lot of inroads. Let me, um, in a couple weeks, we're going to have a follow-up on this conversation. And we're going to begin to address some more of those, those questions so that we'll be, we're more equipped. But I do want to remind you, and I have it in my notes, and so I'm so thankful that Ms. Paula mentioned it, but I want to remind you of some simple truths what we build with matters. There's a smart guy said that a couple weeks ago at church. What we build with matters. Don't dumb down the gospel. Don't, don't make it soft. You give them the gospel because the, the only thing that we have to build with is the truth of God's word. So don't sacrifice the building material because you say you love the person. Okay? So be careful what you build with. Secondly, there is a supernatural power that is entirely necessary for the task of evangelism. Because it doesn't matter. You can share it perfectly. I didn't mess up a single time. You're going, man, this person, I'm going to save this person. You can't save them. But you can botch a gospel presentation with the power of the Spirit, and that person will get saved through a donkey. Glory to Jesus. And I want to remind you to pray. So you need to be praying. If you're going to evangelize, you need to call people and say, Hey, I'm having lunch with so-and-so next week. 
Would you join me in praying until that time? That's, that's where the battle is fought. Now, and the third thing that I want to remind you of is what is success in evangelism? Success in evangelism is faithfulness. I planted, remember what Pastor Ken said? Apollos watered, but who gave the growth? God gave the growth. So you have a task, and I have a task, and it's simply to be faithful to steward the gospel message. So you take it, and you share it, and you leave the results to the only one who can change your heart. So that's what success is, is faithfulness. And I would bet that if we're faithful, we'll see more fruit than we've ever seen in our lives and through our lives. Are you with me, church? Mm -hmm. All right. Any closing comments? All right. Well, here's night one of Quip. All right? We'll visit this every month. Every month throughout our year. Yes, ma'am. Did you guys start recording the Wednesday? They are recording. <coughs> so they're on our website. So if you go to cynicbaptist.org and go to our sermons page, um, they're under our sermons, and they're the Wednesday, it'll say Wednesday night sermons. Uh, if you have an iPhone, you can go to our podcast. If you have a podcast, you're welcome. And you can find Seneca Baptist Church, and we have a podcast, and it's the Wednesday night services. So just find the date. All right? We've been doing it since the beginning of the year. 3D. That's why the wonderful Mr. Bill is sitting back here. It's our guru. All right, let's pray. Father, we confess that, that this sheet of paper is powerless, but the Word of God is powerful. The Gospel is the power of God for salvation for all who believe, the Jew and the Gentile alike, the Muslim. And we believe, Father, that, that there's no need in our world that's bigger than the need of the Gospel, of reconciliation between sinful man and a holy God. And you have done everything necessary to reconcile us to God. And we are now ambassadors of Christ, ministers of reconciliation. And we get to go and tell people, plead with people on behalf of God or on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. That's our message. That's our ministry. And we don't have to do it in our strength. We don't have to do it in our wisdom. We get to lean on the wisdom of God and the word of God. We don't have to do it in our own power because we get to lean on the Spirit of God. And Father, I pray that before we would ever open our mouths to share the gospel, we would have a deep abiding relationship with you where we're depending on you, where it's not us speaking, but you speaking and working through us. So Father, as we've said a few weeks ago, our, our main purpose in life is to know you and to make you known. And the more we know you, the more passionate we are that others would too. So Lord, equip us for service. Send us with purpose. And I don't mean to Panama. I don't mean to Senegal. I don't mean on a mission trip. I just mean out these doors. <coughs> Send us with purpose. We pray in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. God bless you. Have a great night. Thank <laughs> you.